Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. A gay, pleasant evening for all. Oh, a word of caution. Mom or Pop, go with the kids when they leave the car. We hope you have a wonderful time. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Dead Zone. Wow, that was a very dramatic opening to what we hope will be a comedy podcast about horror films we watch. Yeah, it was it was intense. <laughs> I mean, that's always the goal to be funny. Yeah. Of course, we think we're hilarious. Well, I mean, we are. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Some people will probably disagree. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are rolling their eyes. They're like, we don't even know you yet. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't talk to those people who have poor taste, so it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. But I digress, and introductions are long overdue. I'm Whitney. That's Danny. Welcome to the Dead Zone Screening Room. Here we are. This is it. It's it's dark in here. It's very big. Yeah. It's, it's kind of dusty. Well, we'll get to more on where we are in a minute, but... First, of course, we are no strangers to the world of podcasts. For the past two years, we have hosted the podcast Creepy Caffeine, where we discuss true crime, the paranormal, cryptids, urban legends, you name it. If it goes bump in the night, we want to get highly caffeinated and talk about it. Mm -hmm. So if the macabre with a side of comedy is your jam, as the kids say, come and check us out over there. Again, that's Creepy Caffeine, and it's available the exact same place you're listening to this now (laughs) we'd love to have you over there and have you over here both places that's that's pretty cool at the same time simultaneous listening do it blow my mind you are really knocking it out of the water champ water i mean park (laughs) it's a water park knocking it out of the water park champ see you've done well you've made it a new thing you're really doing it proud of you So what are we doing here? What's going on? Whitney, Danny, do you not already have enough on your plate? Why start a second podcast? Why not? We say. We didn't say that. There was a lot of thought that went into it. It was mostly, what the hell are we thinking? Yeah. It was a a chaotic decision, but it was one I I think we both felt like just needed to happen. It's something that we know that we're both passionate about, that we both love, and we knew that this is where we would get to be able to talk about something that we already talk about every day between each other. So I think it just kind of manifested itself. Well, it didn't help that something mysterious kind of pushed us in this direction. Yeah, it was quite obvious that the universe had other plans for us because of our other podcasts, like Whitney mentioned, Creepy Caffeine, people send us things. We have a P.O. box and people can send us packages, whatever they want to do. Not like body parts. No, we're not, not a fan interested. of the body part mail. Nothing yeah. to... I mean, we talk about the creepy, we dig it, we love it. We don't need to be confronted with it. No, we leave those at the post office. Full face creepy is too much. Yeah, yeah. We do have our limits. Well, about, what was it, two months ago, we received an email that said we had inherited a traveling drive-in theater from a longtime listener that wished to remain anonymous. Yeah, probably the most bizarre email I've ever received. Yeah, Well, later that same day, a small package was left on our porch with our names on it. There was no return address, no shipping or postage information. It was just like a small, plain brown box. 
and it had like handwritten names. It was definitely something that didn't look like it actually came from the postal service. Like it was hand delivered. Yeah, this was not a UPS delivery. No, absolutely not. And of course, we were creeped out. I mean, we brought it inside and we sat there thinking like, do we open it? What do we do with this? And we were thinking, okay, it's too small to be a bomb, I'm sure. And we really want to see what's inside. It could be worth the risk <laughs> of inhaling ricin. I mean, did we mention we were into true crime? We yeah. talked about that, right? Yeah, our minds go everywhere. So, of course, that's going to be a thought. Yeah. It's either bomb or ricin. Exactly. And then we opened the box. <laughs> <laughs> of course we did. Yeah. Why would we not? Exactly. We said, fuck it, box is now open. I love a good mystery. Oh, same. Well, then... The mystery appeared right in front of us because inside was a door key labeled snack bar, a movie ticket, and there was like a detailed list of instructions. At first, I thought it was uh, a joke about the fact that I'm fat. <laughs> Here's the key to the snack bar. Fuck you. All right. I know I could drop a couple of pounds. <laughs> Here you go, fatty. Here's the key to the snack bar. <laughs> Enjoy your junior mints, <laughs> asshole. Well, turns out it wasn't a joke. Well, maybe... It- cosmic one so on the ticket itself was a message that read we're only available once a week join us if horror is what you seek we save your spot but it moves around the dead zone is where this theater is found and then obviously that's when my head exploded because this is everything i've ever wanted in my life ever i mean it's a bona fide mystery exactly i could feel it in my bones my mystery bones were a tingling (laughs) When we know all about when you get a mystery boner. It's true. It's true. You can't stop the tingle. (laughs) And why would you? You wouldn't. Just write it out. I have got a raging mystery boner right now. (laughs) Well, let's carry on then, shall we? We shall. So, of course, what was on the instructions is pretty much for owner's eyes only. Don't worry, nothing too sinister. But we can tell you that we were told to watch horror films of our choice to determine whether or not they should get added to the theater's library. And also, to never be late opening the drive-in for those who were able to find it. Yeah, that's the thing we forgot to mention. The theater itself actually travels around, and each week it's actually in a different location. Yeah, that's kind of important. Mm-hmm. So if you want to join us for some of the best and worst horror movies ever made, you'll have to use your love of horror and follow the clues to figure out where we'll pop up next. And of course, have a ticket. But don't worry, even if you can't track us down, you can still join us each week on the Dead Zone Drive-In podcast as we discuss the horror films that may or may not be added to the drive-in vault. All right, so now you know our story, you know why we're here We are so glad that you joined us Why we try and hash this out. You know, we really weren't given too detailed instructions when it comes to picking what movies. Yeah, it was totally left to us. Yeah, it was literally watch anything you want and just decide whether or not you're going to put it in the drive-in vault and take it with you. And it basically goes in our theater rotation Mm -hmm. or it doesn't make the cut. And we leave it back in the dead zone. Yeah, yeah. Which is exciting for me. I mean, obviously, we both love horror movies, so the fact that we just get to do it each week, come on, this is the dream. (laughs) We are living it. We are living it. I mean, every little girl's dream was to have a traveling drive-in that may or may not enter alternate realities. Yeah. 
and watch horror films all the time. I can't tell you how many times I wrote that down in my diary. <laughs> I can. I have a copy of it right here. Oh, awkward. We'll talk about page 365 later. Okay. So when it came to making the decision, what in the hell is going to be our first movie? Where do we start? It's it's almost overwhelming. But we figured, well, we got to go with the classics, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly... A vault full of horror movies has got to contain the best horror movies of all time. Yeah, these are the foundations for the horror genre. But, of course, even when it gets to that, there are different lists that, uh, you know, people have different opinions Mm -hmm. on things. And some people might think these are the greatest and some people might not. But that's the great thing. They're just opinions. And, you know, we decided when we wanted to talk about this stuff and do a podcast that we wanted to make sure that people understood that these are just our opinions Mm -hmm. and who we are and our life experiences really dictate whether or not we find something entertaining or find it scary. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be different for someone else. You know, the great thing about having so many different choices of types of films and different genres is that there's something for everybody. And just because I really enjoyed this film, someone else might thought it was a huge piece of crap Mm -hmm. and vice versa. But that's the great thing is there's always an audience for something. Yeah, I think that's the thing that I love, um, you know, about horror itself is horror is so subjective. Like you said, you know, one thing that scares me may not scare you and uh, vice versa and same for our listeners. And that's what I love about it because it's so fun to get to see what other people enjoy and what other people are scared of. Like I think that's so fun to be in a theater of people watching the same movie. You're sitting there bored out of your mind, but person sitting next to your left is shitting their pants scared. That's just, it's amazing that one certain genre can have so many different effects on so many different people. Sure. And that could, that could in some way add to your experience as a viewer. Mm -hmm. If your best friend is sitting next to you and they're scared out of their wits and covering their face, even if you find the film boring, watching their experience being scared shitless is its own form of kind of humorous entertainment. Mm -hmm. You know that it's only permanent. They're not (laughs) taking on any damage. So you can enjoy their funny little suffering for this hour and a half that they're scared out of their minds and have a good laugh about it. So, you know, it's always great when we can highlight these certain things and have an opinion about it. And, you know, down the line, if we, you know, talk about stuff that we didn't particularly like, I would love to hear from someone who loved that particular movie because they're passionate about it. There's Mm -hmm. something about it that spoke to them and made them enjoy it. And now if you tell me that story, it makes me like the movie even more. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to get into this stuff and talk about it. I'm, I'm so excited to see stuff I've never seen before, to revisit things that I've loved in the past, or maybe give something a second chance that I didn't like in the past. Mm-hmm. So that being said, let's work our way back to how did we come up with the film we're going to start with tonight? We looked at several different lists of you know opinions about the top 100 horror films of all time and we wanted to start with the top 10 we were really surprised how much that can kind of vary Mm -hmm. you'd look on this list and it would have these movies but it didn't have this one or this one which was surprising then you look at another list and it had that one and that one but then there was another one dropped off that you thought should be there so it was just kind of weird so we decided just to go with a source that was just kind of the definitive word 
in horror. Uh, there's a couple of names you could probably point to, but we ended up going with the top 10 horror movies of all time from legendary online magazine website, Bloody Disgusting. Uh, a name that is synonymous with horror. It, they have fantastic articles, not only about the movies, but the creators themselves. Mm-hmm. They talk about special effects. They have news about up and coming things. Just a fantastic source, not sponsored, but it's just a great source if you are a horror fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're using their list. And so we're starting with number 10, which is the classic Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. When we found out that this was the first movie we were starting with, I kind of was like, absolutely. That's absolutely the first movie we should start with. I don't know why, but it's just the, it just seems so obvious to me for this to be the first horror movie for us to talk about. It's so pivotal. It's so, I don't, it was just such a, like I said earlier, like a foundational movie in horror. So I'm excited that this is what we're starting out with. I am too. I I could not tell you the last time I saw it. Yeah, I I know I've seen it now. I'm going to be upfront. I was alive when this movie came out. This is how old I am, people. So I remember when it came out. Mm-hmm. I have a personal scary story associated with this movie that we'll get to. Uh, I will say that on our other podcast, Creepy Caffeine, we do have two episodes dedicated to our personal top 10 scary movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was two years ago, so that list probably could have changed at this point. But yeah. I believe that I had this in my top 10 Mm -hmm. as one of the scariest movies of all time Mm -hmm. Uh, because it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely something that might be worth revisiting for this podcast, just like you said, to see if things have changed or at least at the very least like moved around and shifted. It would be fun to kind of revisit that. But I do remember that this was on your top 10 because you had such a personal connection to it from your childhood. Yeah. Now, before people start thinking that this is some great, I knew people who were in it or something. No. (laughs) uh, No, the connection means I just had something that happened that was scary Mm -hmm. that I associate with this movie that was so scary, I remember it to this day. Mm -hmm. And it's really kind of silly, but when I was younger and this movie came out, my friends and I snuck into the theater to see it and scared the shit out of me. And then in my bedroom, I had this brass hat rack. I, I don't know why. I don't know why I ha- had a hat rack. Just one of those of freestanding hats. ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, lo and behold, there were hats on it. I also had <laughs> coats on it and probably scarves. It was doing its job. It was being used mm-hmm. for the very purpose uh, that's that in its That doesn't happen name. often. So it really, doesn't. shout out to that coat rack. <laughs> but I also... Uh, slap with the nightlight. Get over it, people. It happens. I thought you were going to say knife. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was a paranoid child and had many weapons in my room ready for the assassination to come. Because I was into some shady shit in high school. Sneaking into theaters. <laughs> I mean, that. I, I probably TP'd some houses. Uh, so the nightlight would cast this shadow onto that hat rack and the shadow it cast, I swear to God, it looked just like him. And there is a scene in the movie where you get this silhouette of Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. And it's the hat and just his profile. You know, Robert England just has that very distinctive, he has very pointy features. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just creepy as hell. And yeah. I would literally, every night before I went to bed, would lay that damn thing down. <laughs> 
on the floor. You're like, not tonight, Freddy. We are not doing it. Not doing it. So I could sleep and in the morning, pick it back up and everything was fine. If only the people in the movie had been that smart. If only. I should have been there. You really should have. You would have been the voice of reason. Probably not. In a world of chaos. (laughs) You're like, look at the coat racks, people. Does everyone have a coat rack? Is it that common? All right, they're all going to have to lay down. People will die. All right, well, I think we should actually talk about the movie. It's what people are here for. Mm -hmm. It's what I came for. (laughs) Well, good. We're all on the same page then. (laughs) All right, so the way this works is we watched the movie last night in the screening room. We took notes about things we wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. We're just going to follow the movie along. And at the end, we have a few categories. Some pivotal questions we need to answer. And then we'll use that to determine whether or not this goes into the vault or we leave it here in the dead zone before we move on. Yeah. Easy peasy. Okay, so A Nightmare on Elm Street. Here's the wiki. Uh, It's a 1984 American supernatural slasher film written and directed by Wes Craven and produced by Robert Shea. It is the first installment in the A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and stars Heather Langenkamp, John Saxon, Ronnie Blakely, Robert England as Freddy Krueger, and Johnny Depp in his film debut, and he looks like a tiny baby. Now, for those that haven't seen the movie, here's a quick synopsis. Teenagers in a small town are dropping like flies, apparently in the grip of mass hysteria causing their suicides. A cop's daughter, Nancy Thompson, traces the cause to child molester Fred Krueger, who was burned alive by angry parents many years before. Krueger has now come back in the dreams of his killer's children, claiming their lives as his revenge. Nancy and her boyfriend, Glenn, must devise a plan to lure the monster out of the realm of nightmares and into the real world. Now, if you again, if you haven't seen the movie, I think this is a good place to let you know you should pause and go watch the movie and then come back and listen because we really want this podcast to not have to worry about tiptoeing around spoilers. We really want this to just be a place where we just dish it out and talk about the movie as a whole and, like I said, not have to walk on eggshells and worry about spoiling anything. So, again, if you haven't seen any of the movies that we talk about in each episode, pause this and go check it out. We really encourage you to anyways. So you'll understand what we're talking about when we talk about the prompts and the questions that we ask during the movie. So I think now's a good time to go check it out and then come back and join us as we discuss all the ins and outs of this crazy movie. So that being said, it's time to get into the nitty gritty of it. We are really getting down and dirty. Now, I think part of the fun of this for me is going to be the fact that we don't record right after we watch the movie, which Mm -hmm. means, I mean, it's been... Not quite 24 hours, but it, it's been a while since we watched it and I took these notes. Uh, as I previously have stated, I am a older person who also used to do lots of drugs when she was younger. My brain is not always uh, on point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think trying to decipher what I was trying to tell myself in my notes is going to be half the fun here. Oh, 100%. I knew that last night when I was taking the notes. I was like, it's going to be really fun to try to uh, figure out what past me was telling now me. Um, Just like Whitney, I have brain fog. I have lupus. So my brain is just constantly just checking out just for shits and giggles. So yeah, I was just kind of reading through my stuff. And there's a couple sentences that I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that means, but I'm sure it's pretty significant and funny. 
<laughs> I trust myself. I trust you as well. This this is going to get good. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, so our film starts off on the infamous glove. Now, <laughs> that shouldn't be funny, but this is literally the first thing I wrote down. And instead of writing down that we start off on the infamous glove, I wrote that we start off on the infamous mask. Nice. So, <laughs> Freddy mask, full effect. Oh yeah, he has those knife hands. Knife hands. Yeah, I th- my first sentence just talks about the opening scene as well, um, and just how much I, I really do enjoy that opening scene, and how that transitions into the um, scene of Tina running through that kind of tunnel alley area. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, we transition right to lots of heavy breathing, mm-hmm. so obviously Freddie's asthmatic. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, we're just right into our first dream sequence, and it's just your classic running down this endless hall. Mm-hmm. Which I think... I mean, for the first movie of a huge franchise, I think it immediately sets the tone for this is just going to be a form of suspense that, you know, our characters that we grow to like and and to hate um, throughout the movie, there's not always something they can do about it. I mean, just like we feel in our dreams when we have bad dreams, we can't always stop it from happening. Oh, you feel helpless. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think you as the watcher, you also kind of feel that tenseness in your chest, like, ugh, you hate that feeling. But I I think it's definitely... Uh, a good opening scene for this craziness that ensues. Well, it definitely sets the tone. And of course, Wes Craven is the master at the opening. He has one of the best openings in horror history with Scream. Mm -hmm. And so you wouldn't expect anything less from him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, that is aborted very quickly when uh, Tina wakes up Mm -hmm. after being attacked by Freddy. And then she wakes up to drunk mom busting into the room. Yeah. This woman, she's just, are you okay, Tina? And then she proceeds to tell her she either needs to clip her nails or stop that kind of dreaming. I wrote that down, too. Like, how is that? It was like, (laughs) here's a proposition for you. Stop having terrible ass nightmares or cut your fucking nails. Like, it's like, this isn't going to solve it, mom. I mean, obviously this girl's going through something. Now I'm just going to go into my nightmare with nubs that I can't protect myself with. (laughs) It's like, mom, this is all I have. (laughs) Now, if I was like Whitney and slept with a knife under my bed. (laughs) Yeah, I I, immediately after she said it, I wrote that down because like, how is this a solution to her problem? Like she didn't even walk it, didn't even go in farther past the door to walk in and console her. Could not be bothered. Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm. She had to get back to her martinis. Yeah. And we will come to find out that uh, this is not the only self-medicating mother around. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So next up, of course, we hear for the very first time the classic nursery rhyme. Mm -hmm. That one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Anytime you can do that and associate just something childish and pure with just disgusting evil, Mm -hmm. it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the greater things to come out of that franchise because it's just, you know, it's one of those iconic things where the moment you start saying one, two, immediately my mind knows how to finish that because it's just associated with this movie. It's just one of the great things that came out of this movie and, and led its own life. Yeah. And and of course, just that little nursery rhyme and seeing these kids in the background all of our kids woke up after Tina's had this nightmare and it's just supposed to be business as usual. We're going back to school and all of a sudden it turns into 16 candles. Mm-hmm. It's just your typical teen 
you know, everybody jumping out of their cars, walking mm-hmm. into school. School bells going off. Just kids running around crazy. Mm-hmm. But this is, of course, where we explain the rules. How, you know, if you get hurt in your dreams or if you die in your dreams, it affects what happens in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in my notes, I had to write down everyone's name because going into it, I couldn't remember anyone's name. Yeah, I couldn't really either. And now we know it's Glenn, Nancy, Tino, and Ron. Exactly. BFFs. Besties for the resties. Sort of. All right. So... The next thing I wrote down is probably my favorite just scene in the movie. Okay, let's hear it. And it's the one where we have the sound effects snafu when Glenn is trying to uh, call home and saying that he's sleeping over at a, a friend's house. Yes. When in fact they're at Tina's house mm-hmm. uh, and Nancy's there and they're going to have this sleepover. Yeah, because Tina's kind of asked them over because she's been having these nightmares and she thinks having somebody there will help protect her because her mom has gone out of town. Which is what you do when your daughter's going through something. Yeah. You leave her alone. Yeah. She'll literally, suss it out. And leave the state. Mm-hmm. And it'll be fine. You left the, the nail clippers. She'll figure it out. <laughs> she will. You told her what to do. Yeah. It's up to her. What more can you do? You can't guide your children everywhere. Uh, eventually the baby bird's got to fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You hand them the clippers and you kick them out of the nest. <laughs> so getting back to the sound effects snafu. So... <laughs> It's this amazing scene where he puts wonderful cassette tape Mm -hmm. into a boombox and Mm -hmm. is using it as this sound effects because you're doing the old classic you call and say, oh, well, I'm staying the night at so-and-so's. And usually the other person would say, oh, I'm staying the night at their house. And yeah, it gets you out and you're doing whatever naughty things the kids do these days. Yeah, because you're making your TikToks. (laughs) (laughs) Doing your internet things. Yeah, because this movie's taking place, obviously, with teenagers, and so we're in a world of high schoolers where this teenage boy isn't supposed to be over there. So he's lied to his mom and said that he's at his cousin's house, who lives by the airport. So he wanted a recording of plane sounds. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently this is one of those tapes that has, like, a compilation of sounds on it. So it starts with planes flying over. Then it's uh, revving car engines, Uh screeching tires. Then it sounds like there's a terrible wreck. And so he's having to play along with this and say, oh, I got to go. Apparently there's been a really bad wreck. And then there's like explosion sounds. (laughs) Gunfire. And just chaos And he's like talking to his mom. He's like, I'll call 911. (laughs) Yeah, mom, I'll call 911. Got it. (laughs) Calling them now. It was just... An unexpected moment. I honestly did not even remember that scene. Yeah, same here. I thought that when I was watching it. I was like, I don't remember this kind of small... It was a genuine piece of comedy in this horror movie. And, and granted, that's not rare. People always mix comedy with horror. But it's just... I it, Just like you, it had been many years since I've seen that movie. I haven't watched it since I was a kid in its entirety. So yeah, it was a scene I forgot about and I really enjoyed it as well. I thought it was hilarious. But it's so funny how there can be a scene that's so striking as that one and so hilarious, but yet... As children, you don't remember that at all. You only remember mm-hmm. the scary stuff. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I'm sure it's a, something my kid mind kind of lo- completely forgot about because Freddie <laughs> overweighed it. <laughs> all right. So next, uh, we discover that both Nancy and Tina have been dreaming about this same guy. Yeah, dream twinsies. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're bonding, you know, really working through some stuff together mm-hmm. in high school. It's nice that they have each other. Yeah. And of course, we hear something outside and classic horror you have to go out and investigate and we have our first real big jump scare when rod jumps in Mm -hmm. uh when they're in the backyard and i literally wrote in my notes rod looks like the night stalker 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, dead ringer for Richard Ramirez. Yeah, especially in that backyard lighting in that scene where it's real dark and there's just the small porch light. Yeah, uh, I was like, oh, this movie took a turn. I don't remember the side story. True crime twist. About the Night Stalker. <laughs> this got good. This is some Mindhunter shit. It's not really Nightmare on Elm Street. It's Night Stalker on Elm Street. Which I would watch. Honestly, yeah. We, it's a crossover we didn't know we needed. <laughs> All right, so now Rod's in the mix. And, of course, Tina and Rod go off to uh, Bumbuglies. Yeah, I, I wrote down in, uh, on this part that I just think, it, I mean... This isn't rare in these types of movies, especially 70s and 80s movies. We, you had a ton of gratuitous sex and nudity at that time, especially in horror movies. It was just something that I guess they used to lighten the mood to get guys in, to get people in and go see it. But I just, I, I wrote down, I was like, this this isn't, like, I wouldn't be that friend that's like, okay, cool, I'll hang out in the living room. Like, maybe that's just me, but like, they're just hanging out and they're I mean and they're loud like I kind of get it if they snuck back there and they were quiet and they did a cookie and came out but they are banging walls making sounds moaning and yelling and they're just like sleeping in separate rooms as if they can't hear it I'm like there's no way that I would be this friend that's like all right yeah y'all go I'll hang out here let me know when you're done I can start a pocket of coffee you know like I just (laughs) I couldn't be that chill friend and I think it's so funny that they're just like laying on the couch in the other bed just listening to their friends bang (laughs) okay so here's where we differ uh, I've been in this situation. Now, of course, I had a partner at the time, mm-hmm. so we just went off and did our own things. But Well, that's different. Uh, yeah, but it is still very awkward when the other couple is very loud. Well, oh, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that kind of, like, threw me off, because I, 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 <laughs> I feel like in those situations that you just inherently are kind of like, even if you you know that there's other couples in the house doing it, you know, at a party or something like that, but they're just no fucks given, just yelling each other's names. Well, I mean, there's one fuck given. Exactly. (laughs) The fuck of all fucks (laughs) was being given. It was a a very loud uh, and raucous good time Mm -hmm. was had by all. But of course this is curse them. And obviously these are our two first victims. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before we get to that, we have, Oh, just one of the best. The classic Freddie Wall scene where he just comes what looks like out of the wall, but he never actually breaks the wall. It's just that almost like it's fluid mm-hmm. and just kind of comes out and hovers over Nancy. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the cross off the wall, right? Yeah. That's the, the first time I remember seeing that in a movie and just thought it was overwhelmingly creepy Mm -hmm. so well done Mm -hmm. and just very creepy and now of course it's been done to death but but it's it was very very effective Mm -hmm. yeah and I still think it is even to this day in in that movie like you said it's been it's been overdone and there's a lot of times where I see it in movies now that I'm like eh, okay but for some reason still seeing it in that movie I think it lends such a good hand to the effects and and what they were able to do at the time and yeah I agree with you I, I love that initial scene of really kind of getting to see how truly creepy Freddy is. Yeah. You know, I always consider myself a purist when it comes to my horror. I like my effects practical Mm -hmm. when possible. I know there are some things that just can't be done that way, but I am always going to hope that they go with the practical effects Mm -hmm. rather than just trying to CGI it in. And we are making leaps and bounds, but still a lot of that CGI, it just takes you out of it. Mm -hmm. And I know, trust me, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff that just doesn't look real, but at least they freaking tried, you know? Yeah. And 
that to me is a lot more fun than just in post slapping some splattered blood in there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So this is just one of the best and ridiculously simple mm-hmm. practical effects. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really cool. All right. So next up, of course, here it is. Here's my moment. We get that damn Freddy shadow when he's coming around the corner entering an alley. Of course, mm-hmm. now we're in Tina's dream again. Yeah. And Tina, uh, it's your numbers up. Yeah. Uh, so she's running. He's after her. You get the damn shadow with the fedora and mm-hmm. it just terrifying. And then we get that classic uh, plastic man arms. Yeah. I wrote down, um, where did I write it? I wish Freddie always had super long arms um, only because how fun. Yeah. It's what ridiculously goofy. It, it really is. It was, it's so funny. Um, and that's what I think another aspect I love of these classics is you do have these effects that just are so random and they're so I mean yeah they're spooky they would be spooky seeing that as a kid but as an adult now it's funny but it doesn't take away from it it's just still like that was awesome that was good to see yeah (laughs) Freddie with long arms well oddly enough the fact that he was kind of doing a plastic man thing where his arms could stretch out uh Wes Craven has said that Freddy Krueger's sweater the red and green the sweater was kind of modeled after from the comic books plastic man oh okay so I don't know if that was a nod to that or mm-hmm. not, but yeah, it's just a classic scene. And then right after that, all of a sudden, Freddie starts running like a monkey. Yeah. Did you pick up on that? Why was he running so goofy? He, it was, you know, he's a silly boy. Oh, I mean, the silliest. It was, I was like, why is he running like that? He's just being a goober. Everybody knows. Kruger's a goober. Well, then, of course, we have this great storytelling mechanism that Craven used where we switch from whatever is happening to Tina in the dream world to the real world where she's in bed with Rod. Mm-hmm. And now he can see what Freddy is doing to her and mm-hmm. he's killing her. But Rod can't see Freddy. So we have this amazing series of practical effects where Tina flies off the bed and she's kind of undulating in the middle of the air and then she's slammed up to the ceiling Mm -hmm. and rolls across the ceiling and goes onto the walls. It's this amazing effect where they built this crazy room that turns and can be manipulated so they can get these shots. It looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's so good. I I wrote down here, I was talking about that scene that... (laughs) I don't know why, but the scene where she immediately shoots up and Rod's kind of standing over there staring at her, trying to figure out what's going on, Uh trying to wake her up. And she accidentally hits him and he flies into the corner. I don't know why, but I immediately busted out laughing. I forgot that that (laughs) happened. So it caught me off guard and I just couldn't stop laughing. And then in that same scene, um, when she's lying in the bed, there's the kind of chest scratching scene where her Mm -hmm. pajamas rip open. Yeah. I did make a note that the bloody chest that they use for some reason reminded me of like a boy alien and, and how I can explain that. Uh, Please do because (laughs) like, it looked like a chest of like a, like a guy, like it looked like a guy chest, you Uh know, that just kind of looks different. Like the stomach and chest looks different than a girl's obviously, but whatever it, uh, maybe they just had the one. And it was a dude's chest. It was like, okay, we got to make this look like a woman. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably, it was just like a, a, a unisexy chest. <laughs> a unisexy love them chest. unisexy chest. But also it looked a little alien because I don't remember seeing a belly button. And for some reason, the lack of a belly button, I was like, this is an alien boy chest. What's happening here? Um, so I just wanted to make note of that for anybody that's seen it or plans on rewatching it. Please let me know if there is a belly button because I don't remember seeing it. And I just want to know if that is a torso of an alien. 
All right, guys, you heard her. It's a call to arms. Let's uh, let's figure this out. Yeah. Alien torso or just a boy torso. All right. Or no, just a unisexy chest. <laughs> unisexy chest. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. I'm going with the unisexy chest just so I can say it. <laughs> okay, I, that's reasonable. All right. All right, so back to it. Of course, Tina dies horribly, mm-hmm. but in a really cool way. Yeah. <laughs> but it's terrible. We feel bad. Good but bad. And then bad but good. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, Rod is accused. Mm-hmm. This is bad. Yeah. Bad. We all know he didn't do it. Rod knows he didn't do it. Yeah. Rod thinks he's crazy. Mm-hmm. Don't blame him. Yeah. And then I just wrote down, uh-oh, dad's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Seems reasonable. This is a surprise that we were not expecting. I just like that I had to actually put, uh-oh. <laughs> like your mind couldn't process that thought without saying, uh-oh. And I don't know why it was worrisome. Maybe I thought I had done something wrong. <laughs> Yikes. Dad's a cop. Unexpected. <laughs> we're, of course, referring to Nancy's dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, we find out he's a cop. Mm-hmm. That's all I wrote. Uh, so now Nancy's off to school. Uh-oh. School. And mom always appears to be on Xanax. Yes. This uh, woman is... Chef's kiss. Oh, my gosh. She's just cannot say a non-slurred word to save her life. Yeah. Nancy's mom is is one of my favorite characters because, like you said, her speech is a little bit slurred. And I think that's her character. She's constantly drinking. But also, there's just no emotion. Just there, no emoting. Everything she says is very monotone and slurry. And it's just, I love it so much because there's, you know, this is a horror movie. So there's a lot of intense scenes or, of course, you're dealing with a teenage girl. So there's the dramatics of that. And it's never, she doesn't get excited. You know, she's well, just, her expression never changes. Exactly. That's what I mean. It's she's like she was doing Botox <laughs> before Botox was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and I love it. I love her for that. Why waste the time? Well, emoting when you don't have to. Also, she has those giant eyes. Mm-hmm. You remember, uh, did we all see the movie Madagascar? Do we remember the little one? <laughs> I, I think it was played by Andy Richter. Okay. Uh, but he, he was smaller than the others and chubby, but he had the, the big eyes. He talked a little. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. She looks like him. Okay. We're those are those eyes. Yeah, I can see it. All I right. can see the big eyes. We took a long time to get there, but I'm, I'm glad we're here together. You took us there and we made it. That's all that matters. And and she really, she works those eyes. There's not emotion there, but she's got the eyes None and of she's them. staring you down in your soul with them. You can feel it mm-hmm. to your core. Yeah. And smell the alcohol. Well, back to Nancy. She finds out she's being followed by Rod, who everyone thinks is a serial killer. Mm -hmm. And so he's pleading with her, you know, saying, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. She believes him. Mm -hmm. Of course, she's had the dream, so she knows exactly what he's talking about. Exactly. So she believes him. But then, oh, no, turns out dad was following Nancy. Uh Uh-oh. Cop dad. Yep. Of course. Rod, right to jail. Yeah. You kill girl, right Right to to jail. jail. Ugly green red sweater, jail. Glasses, jail. Fedora, jail. <laughs> Knife hand, jail. Talk to my daughter, jail. <laughs> and Rod's like, I, I have none of that. I have none of that. I have no shoes. I'm running I'm, through the street. I have 20-20 vision. <laughs> <laughs> but he go to jail anyway. Yeah, yeah. And Nancy's pissed because she basically feels like her dad used her. It, it, he did. Yeah, yeah. But despite all this, despite the fact her best friend died the night before, mm-hmm. uh, she was just uh, confronted by who everyone thinks is her killer. Mm-hmm. 
and now she's furious with her father for mm-hmm. using her in the sting, she still just goes to class. She's a trooper. She's going for that, uh, the attendance award. Yeah, she really doesn't want to give it up, which is understandable. When you've got a goal, go for it. I mean, God bless her. Yeah. Nancy for class prez, you know what I mean? Well, of course, if if you didn't realize this was coming, she starts to dream while at school. Yeah, because throughout all of this thus far, she's been trying to stay awake because she's aware of the danger that can happen when she falls asleep. So she's been taking, like, stay awake pills and drinking a shit ton of coffee and just consistently trying to stay awake. Basically a typical day for those of us here in 2021. Exactly. Yeah. Just trying our best. Yeah. But then, of course... uh In her dream, we get that classic vision of Tina's dead body being dragged off in the body bag, all bloody, by an invisible force. Yeah, I have that written down about how I genuinely kind of thought that that was a a creepy scene where she Oh, super creepy. Mm -hmm, Where she like looks out the door and there's Tina just standing there in that kind of clear plastic bag and she's all bloody. And then, yeah, Nancy leaves and follows the trail and you just see her being drugged off. That was probably, I think, uh, definitely one of my favorite scenes. Absolutely. And then, of course, we get the the girl in the Freddy Krueger sweater, the hall monitor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just wrote down rude. Yeah, she was kind of kind she of a jerk. Just, you need a hall pass. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> it's not that serious. <laughs> and then, of course, Nancy makes her way to the boiler room. It's always the boiler room. Mm-hmm. It's a hot spot. I see what you did there. I'm punny. You are very punny. Uh, so my next note just says, Freddie slits his nip. He <laughs> just slits his yes, nip. that's what mine says. And that's what did I Did you was... really write slits his nip? No, I oh, wrote, loved the slime in the maggot boob. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> loved the slime in the maggot boob. I just really loved that fluorescent yellow slime. It sounds like... A 90s band like Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah. Slime in the Maggot Boob. Yes. Oh my God. Come the fuck on. That yes. is the official band. Oh, this is brilliant. Yeah. This is the official house band of the Dead Zone Drive In. Yeah. They, uh, they are our opening act. And they play during intermission. Mm-hmm. Slime in the Maggot Boob. Slime in the Maggot Boob. <laughs> Hang on. I'm serious. I'm writing this down. I mean, they only know three chords, but damn it, can they rock? Yeah, it's true. They're amazing. So after the uh, nips lit, uh, <laughs> then Nancy remembers the rules and wakes herself up by burning her own arm. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. And and this is also where I made a note, um, this iconic scene where we're kind of introduced to truly what Freddy's world is. Um, and Nancy, who is obviously our main character um, and her struggles with Freddy, we're really introduced to the music that accompanies this movie um the very synthy sounds and the build-up and I did make note of that and how much I love it I love the score and soundtrack of this movie and it just every time Freddy comes on screen and you get that sound effect and the you know the crescendo of the the music and everything it's just amazing I loved it so much I I think I wrote it down twice because I was just like yes this music is so good (laughs) Well, it, it's funny that you mention the music and talk about the synthesizer so much because that was a big part of bringing this whole story together for Wes Craven. You know, he had seen these articles in the paper about these Hmong refugees after fleeing to the United States. They were fleeing from a genocide in Laos 
and why they were in hospitals recovering, they were suffering from these really disturbing nightmares, so much so that all of them started trying to refuse to sleep and Mm -hmm. doing whatever they could to stay awake, such as taking these pills or drinking lots of coffee. But of course, eventually your body's just going to shut down and you fall asleep and they were dying in their sleep, Mm -hmm. you know, and doctors weren't able to explain what was happening. It was like they were dying from fright from their nightmares and uh, they ended up you know, chalking it up to this medical phenomenon that they call Asian death syndrome or the Brugada syndrome. But that kind of gave him the idea of something terrorizing you in your dreams so much that you could actually die mm-hmm. uh, if you died in your dreams. And then the 1970s pop song, Dreamweaver, mm-hmm. written by Gary Wright, uh, ended up sealing that story. And not only did it solidify it and bring him, you know, the idea of this dream weaver, someone who can control your dreams, therefore leading to your death in your nightmares, that really solidified the Freddy Krueger story for him. And uh, the song Dreamweaver has that classic synth sound. Mm-hmm. And he ended up using that synthesizer riff uh, for the movie soundtrack. Oh, that, yeah, that absolutely makes sense why that would be so important to the story. Yeah, and I definitely think that comes through because it made such... And I think, obviously, watching it now as an adult, things are going to affect me differently than they did as a kid, but also watching it for the podcast, I'm just more uh, aware of things, you know, throughout the movies and details, just trying to pay attention to things. And yeah, that was immediately one of the things that struck me was how much I enjoyed sound effects and the music throughout the film. Well, before we move on from this scene, I I cannot go on without talking about her freak out that she has in class when she wakes up. I mean, number one, cannot blame her. But number two, I could never show my face in class again. Yeah, no. Oh, my God. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, she just handles it so well. She's like, I'm fine, and just leaves. Like, I, I would, would be mortified. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd probably either die on site or uh, leave and, and be homeschooled forever. I would implore my parents to move to another country. <laughs> I just, I I must be homeschooled at the Mm. very minimum. Yeah. I would prefer not to be in this town anymore, Mm -hmm. but, you know, if worse comes to worse, I can do it here. Just do not make me go back to school. (laughs) Just, oh my God, horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But of course she does go home and to try and calm herself down, she decides to take a nice hot bath, Mm -hmm. uh, which of course is going to lead us to probably one of the most famous scenes in horror history. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before we get to that, we got to talk about Xanax mom again. Mm -hmm. So she's going to get her some warm milk. (laughs) Does anybody actually do that? Do people drink? I just always thought that was just a silly. I think so. Like I think, and I think it's like generally scientifically proven that it's kind of, it somehow helps you sleep. I don't know what's in it, but I think it does. But I just think it's so funny. Even Nancy's reaction to it. Like, her mom's like, all right, I'm going to go make you some more milk. And Nancy's like, more milk? Like, yeah, like, who are you? It's just, are, is this Barbara Billingsley? Is this not Leave it to Beaver? Uh, plus, I mean, she, Nancy doesn't want anything to do with it anyway, because she's, of course, trying to stay awake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't work. It's just like me. Anytime I get in the bathtub, guaranteed, I'm, it's going to knock me out. Yeah, yeah. You're a bath napper for sure. <laughs> I am a bath napper. 
Namper. <laughs> Namper. Uh, but, of course, we get the scene. Nancy's laying there. She's starting to drift off. Here comes Freddie's hand right between her legs mm-hmm. from under the water. Just terrifying imagery. Mm-hmm. Of course, again, another really badass practical effect. That whole scene the whole bathroom and the tub itself, there was no floor. It floated on the surface of a swimming pool. And so uh, an actor could be there to stick his hand up through there. So it looks like she's just sitting in a tub. And mm-hmm. then, of course, again, that's going to come up when uh, Nancy gets pulled under, mm-hmm. which is exactly what happens. She gets yanked down and starts to panic. And in the real world... It, it looks like she's drowning in this very shallow bathtub mm-hmm. and mom can hear her on the outside and is moving at true Xanax speed. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm coming, baby. Mom's coming. Don't worry. And fiddling with this mm-hmm. lock. It's like, well, I mean, it's taken you three hours to get yeah. in here. Yeah. She might as well just drink the warm milk for her daughter. Yeah. And literally by the time her mom breaks into the bathtub, Nancy's already out of the tub and has towel dried herself off Mm -hmm. and is halfway to the door. And then mom busts in. I'm here to save you. And Nancy's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you for nothing. (laughs) I think one thing that I began noticing, especially around this scene was, I mean, obviously it's it's obvious throughout the movie that, you know, her parents don't. It's like they believe her, but at the same time, they think she's crazy and they keep telling her, like, it's fine. Just go to sleep. It's fine. You just need rest. And I, I, you know, I, you tend to put yourself in the character's shoes and I can't imagine how frustrating that is to like, of course I want, it's not like I'm not sleeping because it's fun. Your, your body needs sleep. I'm not doing this because I'm having a good time. Like, I don't want to sleep because it's, it's dangerous. And the parents, for whatever reason throughout this movie, just don't really do anything to help her like that's just and I know that realistically in this world's technicalities they probably couldn't have helped her but at the same time like the only extent they did was like take her to like a sleeping clinic and and monitor the fact that yep she has dreams correct which she's been saying all along but then nothing came of it it's not like they got her some medication or some counseling sessions or like well yeah I I also think that's just kind of a classic trope in these horror films is that generally the adults are shown to be inept. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. either get killed off very quickly or they don't believe the kids when they say that something's wrong. And mm-hmm. it just kind of sets up the fact that, well, these kids are on their own. It's yeah. up to them to uh, solve this problem that's mm-hmm. facing them, which could end in their death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, next up, Glenn comes to visit, sneaks in through the window. Of course, he lives just right across the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she tells him what she thinks is going on that she thinks if she can somehow get a hold of freddie and bring him into this world that you know maybe he can do something to help so they hatch this plan but it's off screen so we're not really sure what the plan is but we know that uh nancy has asked glenn to stand guard Mm -hmm. so nancy leaves the house we see that glenn is following her she specifically calls out and say glenn are you back there so we see him And she goes to the police station uh, and just conveniently can see Rod from the street in his prison cell. I mean, is that like a thing that they have windows into the prison cells? So our little prisoners are like little zoo animals. They should. Why not? I mean, that would be fun. Take the kids down on the weekend, (laughs) go to the jail, 
I mean, can you throw like peanuts at them or do they perform? <laughs> Little musical numbers, tap dances. <laughs> I mean, something. <laughs> So, of course, we quickly figure out that this is some sort of dream because Freddy attacks. We can see him. Uh, We also see dead Tina. And then I just wrote down gross bugs and mud eels. Uh Uh-huh. Both of those things happened. They did. Yeah. And so that pretty much, I guess, confirms that this is a dream because that's what I wrote down. (laughs) Dead Tina, gross bugs, mud eels, this is a dream. That's really what they should have called this movie. (laughs) It's kind of a long title, I think. Well, I think it rolls off the tongue. (laughs) Well, and then, of course, I just wrote down Marshmallow Fluff, uh, because this leads to another one of the most iconic scenes, Mm -hmm. uh, when Nancy tries to run upstairs and her feet sink into the stairs. Yeah, she's got a bad case of the squishy stairs. Yeah, it just, it's always looked like Marshmallow Fluff to me. Mm -hmm, Me too. Uh, But apparently it was made with pancake mix. Oh, bizarre. Delicious. But so is Marshmallow Fluff. Yes. Maybe not with feet in them. Yeah, well, I imagine that both Marshmallow Fluff and Pancake Mix are not great with feet in them. Uh, That's a good call. Yeah. Not hygienic. And not great for stairs, it turns out. It's a struggle for her to get up there. Well, yeah, her feet are stuck in Pancake Fluff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's got shoe shoe squish going on. (laughs) Well, of course, this leads us to one of the best jump scares in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, of course, when Freddy comes through a mirror. And you know that we're going to have a big fight. Mm -hmm. And and that's what happens. Nancy and Freddy get into the struggle. They're throwing hands. And then I just wrote down on my notes, alarm clock goes off. Glenn is a bastard. Yes. So Glenn falls asleep. Bastard. Leaving Nancy to fight this alone, uh, and thankfully, yeah, she had her alarm set. That was the only thing that got her out of the dream. No thanks to Glenn and his crop tops. Next, I just have that mom stumbles into the room. That's literally all I wrote. No context. I don't remember her coming into the room, but I'm sure it did happen. Yeah, it did. So Nancy and Glenn immediately go to the police station. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, police station. <laughs> Uh-oh, dad's a cop. And we see Freddy kill Rod with his own bed sheets but actually we don't see freddy we just see the bed sheets kill mm-hmm. rod but we know it's freddy yeah we're kind of a rod in the tina situation where we can see what's happening but we can't see freddy it's just happening within his dreams basically right but we know yeah we're we we're know not, we can't be fooled freddy's not getting one over on us no uh but he does make it look like a suicide yeah he hangs him up uh, using his bed sheet and it just is in the nick of time uh, of them coming back there and catching it happening so next we jump to Rod's funeral. Mm-hmm. I, I guess we never had one for Tina. But then the priest makes the parents feel like shit. Yeah. I mean, talking about basically saying, you know, because they thought he's the one that killed Tina. Basically, the priest is saying eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. You got what's coming to him. It's like people just lost their son. Mm-hmm. Plus, we know he was fucking innocent. Yeah. It's like, what kind of priest are you? Mm-hmm. So Nancy tells her parents about Freddie, and she actually starts to describe him and there's a look the parents give a look to each other and they say no ma'am sleep clinic <laughs> they know some shit yeah yeah then we switch to the sleep clinic and the guy who does roger rabbit's voice is nancy's doctor yeah small so that, world that's pretty cool yeah again a crossover we didn't know we needed <laughs> <laughs> Freddie versus roger rabbit yeah come on well then they run this gambit of tests mm-hmm and mom just starts smoking it up in the lab. Yeah, it's no just big this, deal. this technical lab, and they're kind of 
you know, watching her go into um, REM sleep and, you know, the dream stage and everything. And yeah, mom just pops up on a pack of cigarettes. She's like, so what you think's going on here, doc? Like, <laughs> and he's just fine with it. He's just explaining shit mm-hmm. in his non Roger Rabbit voice. I yeah. was waiting for that to kick in. <laughs> Never did. Uh, but then, of course, Nancy starts freaking out in her dream, mm-hmm. wakes dramatic. up, <laughs> you wanting attention. <laughs> she wakes up in full Reagan mode from the exorcist, just mm-hmm. starts flopping around on the bed. Mm-hmm. Her hair has turned white. Yes, yeah, she has a, a like a white streak in the front of her hair. Like a Pepe Le Pew streak. Mm-hmm. She's got scratches on her arm, mm-hmm. but she grabbed herself a souvenir from Disneyland on the way out. Yeah. Freddie's hat. A little fedora action we could say (laughs) and of course it has his name in it Mm -hmm. because that's what everyone does they write their names yeah you don't want to lose a hat if it's a good hat Mm -hmm. you want to keep that one take claim of it everything's better with a hat exactly but (laughs) i I love this scene because she's arguing with her mom because her mom's still not getting it yeah her mom like threw the hat away But she didn't. She put it in a drawer. Yeah. But tried to make Nancy think that she threw it away. Mm. Nancy finds it, yanks it out, and is like, look at it. Touch it. Mom turns around, goes to touch it. Nancy yanks it away. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can't have it both ways, Nancy. You're having a fit right now. You can't have your cake and eat it too, girl. Touch it, don't touch it. But you can't (laughs) yoink it when you told me to touch it. I'm going to need you to calm down with your white streak because you think you're someone now and you're not... Yeah, and that's really the lesson learned throughout this movie. We don't yoink things, guys. (laughs) There is no yoinking. No. Not on Elm Street. No, ma'am. There will be no yoinking with Freddy. (laughs) (laughs) So, Nancy is in full meltdown mode, and Mm. just, she hits below the belt and makes a remark about Mom's drinking, Mm -hmm. and gets the back of Mom's hand. Yeah. Smack right to the face. Yeah. I mean, Mom, you do have a problem with your drinking. Yeah, I mean, Mom, let's be real. She wasn't lying. She wasn't. You got to take a look in the mirror. Not the one that Freddie's in. Maybe another one. Take a look. Look What'd you find? (laughs) Think about things. Mull it over. Yeah. Uh, But Mom does end up confessing. Uh, She knows who Freddie is. Yeah. But she says Nancy doesn't have anything to worry about. He's dead. She knows he's dead. Nancy doesn't care. She's pissed. Mom withheld information. Mm. She storms out. Yeah. And now we're just having a burger on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Just Glenn having himself a snack, yep. a delicious burger. Just two friends hanging out. Uh, but now he's going to drop some knowledge on her. Mm-hmm. So he knew he knows about these dream skills. Yeah. I don't know. He's talking about some ancient shaman shit. I, I don't know. I got lost here. But there, there's something about these natives that have these skills when they dream that they can manipulate their dreams. Mm-hmm. Basically uh, kind of like lucid dreaming, where you're aware that you're dreaming and you can manipulate it to your own benefit. Exactly. And you journal about it mm-hmm. and learn how to change things and make things better. Uh, so Nancy asked, well, what do you do? You know, what did these natives do when they came across monsters in their dream? And he said, basically, they would turn their back on them mm-hmm. and take away their power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another quick part that happens on the bridge, that they really kind of like brush over Um, You know, they're standing there and Nancy's got a book in her hand as they're kind of conversating and uh, and he reaches over and looks at the cover of her book and it's like a book about booby traps. And he's like, why are you reading that? Uh, And she just kind of gives a general nonsensical answer and then we move past it. But again, similar to this moment that we've talked about manipulating the dreams, the booby traps comes into play later on as well. Yeah, she's about to Macaulay Culkin this shit. Yeah, yeah, she's fed up. 
So she gets back home and now the house has bars on all the windows and the trellis has been taken down. Yeah. And somehow the door doesn't unlock from the inside, which seems a little dangerous. It it seems like a fire trap. Yeah. Like only one person can have the key or something like that. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. But let's talk about the house for a second. Classic. I mean, you look at it and that's just like a classic horror house. Mm -hmm. It just, it's so weird how something seemingly benign Mm -hmm becomes associated with this scary, terrible horror movie. But you see that house and you know, oh, that's the Freddy Krueger house. Yeah, I feel, I feel that happens a lot of times with horror movies. Uh, horror fans are are one of a kind. They're one of those that they hook on and they dig their nails in deep to things and they love iconic imagery from the movies and, and houses easily do that. And I think, yeah, exactly. This house became synonymous with this movie and and, you know, I think there's even games where people will put up pictures of different houses from horror movies and you just know immediately that this is, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street house. And I agree, like you said, it just it's so benign, but look how quickly it became such a, an iconic image from this movie. Absolutely. But now it's basically her fortress and uh, this just pisses Nancy off even more. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> she gets inside, goes upstairs, and mom's just done. She's not even pretending at this point. She's just standing there in the hallway, vodka in hand. Mm-hmm. She's she's not even going to try and hide it. This is who we are. Yeah. Uh, she's embraced it. Mm-hmm. But basically, she's like, look, come with me. And they go to the cellar. And she tells Nancy everything. Freddie was, in fact, a child killer. Mm-hmm. He was caught and went to jail, but ended up something went wrong and... Somebody didn't sign the warrant right or something, and he ends up getting off on a technicality. Mm-hmm. Parents take the law into their own hands. Uh, they trap him, and they burn that fucker to the ground. Yeah, which which now at this point gives us reason behind the boiler room scenes, but also gives us reason behind why all the parents are fucked up, from the drinking to the constant ignoring of situations, because they kind of lived their own personal hell, and they've just kind of blocked that out in various different ways. So, so now we're kind of getting deeper into that backstory of why this is happening and why we have the family dynamics that we do. Exactly. And and now we know why these kids. He's coming after the kids of mm-hmm. the people that killed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, she said the last thing she did was saved his glove as proof that he was dead. Uh, I just wrote down idiot because at the very least, that's going to give you a haunted object in your house. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't seem like the coolest thing to have. When your house is already in a horror movie. Yeah. Also, you are in a possession of a murder weapon that was used in the killing of 20 children. Maybe we don't want to keep that in our house. Yeah, she's like, look, it's no big deal. This is really highly confidential murder evidence. It's fine. I leave <laughs> it on I just the have bushel. it here. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. So Nancy and Glenn set a plan. So they're supposed to meet at midnight mm-hmm. and they're going to do this plan for real. She's pulling... Freddy out. It's got to be done. He's mm-hmm. going to have to whack him with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. And she says the line, whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in the scene where, again, um, Glenn is tasked with staying awake, which we have seen before. He doesn't do well. Um, and then, yeah, like like you said, when she says that line, we're like, oh, OK, fate sealed where we're going. We know. He uh, almost immediately falls asleep. Yeah. yeah. He has a a little moment with his mom, but yeah, falls asleep. Yeah, he falls asleep watching TV, listening to records. He's he's out. There's no sound going in his ears from the outside whatsoever. So meanwhile, uh, Nancy 
is uh, hot brewing her own coffee mm-hmm. in her room. Under her bed. And then, uh, <laughs> you as know. you do. It was so funny because actually when I saw that scene, I was thinking like goals. I would like to have a coffee maker in my room. <laughs> well, I mean, we can make that happen. <laughs> Just need an outlet. So Nancy sees Glenn's creepy dad staring at her from the porch, mm-hmm. being just weird. He looks like he manages a grocery store. Yeah, I thought a car lot, like a car. Salesman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but in the eighties, yeah, I mean, when those were like sleazy things. To exactly, do. that was exactly the vibes I got. He just kind of seems skeezy and uh, kind of just a, a douchebag. Yeah, but basically he tells his wife he doesn't want Glenn hanging around Nancy because they think she's crazy. Mm-hmm. So then, of course, Nancy's mom is back at home tilting one back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Nancy tries to call Glenn to make sure that he's staying awake. Yeah. Uh, but basically the dad hangs up the phone on her. Yeah. He says, don't answers, call here. Yeah. And says, don't don't call back here and even leaves the phone off the hook so she can't call back the rest of the night. Yeah, and then we get, I think, one of the most iconic scenes in my head for me when I think of this movie. For some reason... It's a personal favorite. Yeah, it just always stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't... I don't know if the effect holds up that well. (laughs) It doesn't. (laughs) But I'm telling you what, it was just so shocking Mm -hmm. when I saw it originally. Oh, it's still iconic. It's just, I remember watching, you know, as we were watching it last night, I remember thinking like, oh, that's... I didn't age well. Just the the quality of the effect. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But the idea of the effect, I think it still holds up. It's yeah, still and, creepy. Yeah. Basically, it is when the phone rings, Nancy picks it up, and it's Freddy. Uh, and he says, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. And the bottom portion of the phone turns into a mouth and tongues her. Mm-hmm. And it was just so disgusting yeah. when I was a kid. It's one of those that like just gives you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. And so anytime anyone mentions this movie, that's one of the things that just pops into my head mm-hmm. is that is that scene. It's just, it's absolutely iconic. It's fantastic. Uh, but of course, so Nancy tries to leave to save Glenn. She knows that this means that uh, Freddie's gone after Glenn, mm-hmm. but she is too late. And here we have just one of the most amazing kills Mm -hmm. in horror movie history yeah Uh, we've said that a lot with this movie how this (laughs) has all these great things of horror movie history but it's true it's a reason why it's in a top 10 list of best horror films of all time and it's of course glenn's death scene where basically he's just sucked through a hole Mm. in his bed and you never actually see what happens to him yeah, and it's not just not just him. It's like we said off the top. He's watching TV and listening to the records. Like everything is sucked down with him. The TV, oh yeah, his body, the record player, everything is just like it's being sucked into this dream portal. Yeah, like vacuumed down. Yeah, but you know what goes down must come up. I guess in this mm-hmm. instance, because the bed then starts spewing uh, just a Gallons. Niagara Falls Gallons. worth of blood mm-hmm. out of the hole in the bed, mm-hmm. all up to the roof. Yeah, just an absolutely like a geyser yeah incredible practical effect mm-hmm. and of course the way that they filmed that it was the same room setting that they used to film tina's death and it, it rotated uh so basically they redesigned the set to look like glenn's bedroom flipped it upside down and actually poured water it was colored water uh because when they tried test with uh fake blood it wasn't giving him that gushing effect that yeah. they wanted. It was too viscous, too thick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just colored the water really yeah. dark red. And it, it it's effective. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So much fun. Yeah. And while this scene is happening, you can tell that we're kind of in the 
peak of the movie right here because there's a lot of things simultaneously happening, which happens in horror movies. We're kind of flipping back and forth to different scenarios. So again, while Nancy was being tongued by her phone, we have Glenn dying um, into a geyser of blood. And then now that the geyser thing's happening and, and police have shown up, now we flip back to Nancy's house and things are going awry over there as well. Yeah. Well, basically, she finally gets on the phone with her dad who mm-hmm. who has come to the crime scene where her boyfriend was just murdered. Yeah, she calls and, back over to that house. and Right, and finally gets her dad on the phone and says, look, whether you believe me or not, it's important that you're over here in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. From the moment I hang up this phone, you have 20 minutes and you better wake me up. I'm going to pull him out and you're going to, you got to be here to arrest him. Uh, and it's important that I say 20 minutes, okay? Because she explains on the phone, 20 minutes, that's enough time. You know, I got a couple things to do. I can get relaxed, fall asleep, find him and pull him out. 20 minutes, you got to be here. And he's kind of, you can tell he's kind of like half listening. Right. He's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. He just keeps saying, okay, yeah, get some rest. You need some rest. Good job. Get some rest. So in this 20 minute time, Okay, so now Nancy goes in to Home Alone, the entire house. Mm-hmm. Now that book that you brought up comes back into mm-hmm. play where she's setting up all these booby traps, yeah. very intricate, taking light bulbs and putting, uh, I guess, gunpowder in it. And she has to switch, you know, hook that up to a booby trap with the light and their sledgehammers. Very intricate, mm-hmm. very, you know, detailed work. Guaranteed would probably take, what would you say, at least five hours to set up? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. this is not just... Set it up real quick. Yeah, I remember thinking that as well when she gave that time limit and knowing what scene was coming next. Because I remember sitting there thinking, there's no way setting up booby traps, having a hard heart, and falling asleep could happen in 20 minutes. Yeah, because now she has all this stuff set up. Now she goes and has a heart-to-heart with her mother. Mm -hmm. And then when she finally gets to her room, it shows she still has 10 minutes left. Yeah. Yeah, so you're it, telling me you set up all those fucking booby traps, mended your relationship with your mom, <laughs> did all that in 10 fucking minutes. Mm. No, did not happen. We, we've we come to the conclusion it's not possible. <laughs> call us crazy. We call bullshit. <laughs> of course, now Nancy says her prayers, kind of the, this has become synonymous with this movie, the now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. Yada, yada, yada. So Nancy is off to dreamland. Yeah. But as she's going into dreamland, she's kind of having these, uh, she's remembering these pivotal moments that that we've all been privy to in the movie. Mm-hmm. And one of them is of the conversation she had with Glenn telling her about how if she turns her back on a monster in a dream, it'll take away his power. Yeah. Dream skills. Right. Bringing those dream skills back into play. So Nancy goes looking for Freddy in the world's biggest boiler room. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a boiler. It's like a warehouse boiler. It's a boiler factory. Mm-hmm. It's like this whole factory is a boiler mm-hmm. for what we don't know. It's yeah. gigantic for boils. You know, and the thing is, it's in the name boiler room. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to just be a room, but yeah. this is a giant there boiler are, house. There's ladders, mm-hmm. multiple stairways. It's craziness. Mm hmm. But eventually she does find Freddy's old apartment, I guess. Maybe where he's been squatting. I don't know. It looked like someone had been living there. Yeah, yeah. And you can tell by this point, again, we've we've said that Nancy's kind of fed up. So she's she's not really going in quietly. <laughs> well, who wouldn't be? Oh, I yeah. mean, Freddy's just a pest. Yeah, yeah. He's a, a gnat. A, a nuisance. Very, a very annoying gnat. And we don't like it. So she's not exactly being quiet as she's going in. She's pretty like... 
Freddy, come the fuck out, guy. <laughs> she, she's like one of those toy monkeys with the symbols. Just mm-hmm. ching, ching, ching. Hello, Freddy. <laughs> so finally, she taunts Freddy enough that he does attack her. And just with seconds left on the timer, as it goes off, she grabs him and uh, wakes up. But there's no Freddy. Yeah. Where'd he go? Our minds wonder. But then, of course, Freddy pops up in another nice little jump scare. But then we get to see him go through all these absurd booby traps. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's a little too hilarious. Yeah, it's very hokey, I think. It it is a little hokey and silly to see him get whacked with this sledgehammer in the stomach and back into this exploding light bulb that catches his head on fire. Yeah, and I think that that scene ends up kind of pointing Freddy in the direction that he actually ends up becoming throughout the whole franchise, which he actually does end up becoming this kind of like comical character somehow. I mean, he even says it himself that he didn't expect to really have these one-liners, but they just Mm -hmm. kind of happened. Um, And yeah, so I think that scene kind of just lent credence to the kind of goofy character that, although Freddy is creepy and scary, he does have this humor about him and he knows it. He knows that he has these stupid one-liners. I think he thinks he's he's funnier than he is. And because of that, we do (laughs) laugh at him. (laughs) Same Freddy, really. (laughs) Well, of course, Nancy is screaming out the window trying to get dad to come over. And again, no one's paying attention. None of the adults give a shit. Mm -hmm. Well, he had put like somebody on watch. He told a friend, fellow cop guy, like, hey, if you see anything funny going on, let me know. And yeah, cop guy is just I mean, he's paying attention, but he's just being an asshole. Like he's not doing anything. And then finally he's like, I guess I should go get the cop guy. (laughs) I mean, she's broken out a window. Yeah. There's a little bit of smoke. The house is on fire. I guess. Maybe this is what he meant by important. I don't know. (laughs) But meanwhile, Freddie starts chasing Nancy through the house. She somehow, they make it into the basement. I guess she grabs a jug of moonshine. I don't know what it is they have in a bottle. Like this huge bottle that just happens to be flammable, but she throws it on him, lights yeah. him on fire. Yeah. And then I just wrote down that Nancy needs validation. So she runs to the window and just starts screaming, Daddy, I did it. I did it. It's like, what? <laughs> I mean, what Daddy, did can you I do? come out now? I trapped him. Daddy, I Daddy, got come him. look. You'd be so proud. <laughs> Freddy's on fire in the basement, Daddy. I did it. Just like you told me to. Can we put it on the fridge? (laughs) But finally the cops come in. But they, of course, can't find Freddy. They just see his fiery footsteps. Yeah. And in probably one of the most bizarre deaths in a horror movie, Mm -hmm. they follow the footsteps upstairs. Freddy has gone after Mom. Yeah. And completely engulfed her in flames on the bed. He has laid on top of her and has kind of cocooned her mm-hmm. uh, and has now engulfed them both in flames. And of course, she's drunky pants, so she didn't really, she wasn't really fighting. Did not stand a chance. Yeah. Uh, Freddie basically burns to nothing, I guess, disappears into oblivion. Yeah. And all we have left is mother's charred remains mm-hmm. that now backlit with led lights yeah the bed turns blue (laughs) Uh uh-huh and she just soaks into the blue the afterworld i don't know where she's going the old blue got her (laughs) mom went to the old blue yeah yeah as they say and dad and nancy are just kind of standing there and and i realize like 
I mean, Freddy's on fire. What really can you do, I guess? But at the same time, they're just like standing there. Yeah, like, just like, huh. Which I, I guess at the same time, if I see somebody get sucked down into the blue, what am I going to do? Exactly. I think they were reacting the same way the audience did. Just as like, what exactly is happening here? Yeah. Is yeah. there something I can do? I, I don't know. Yeah. This is unprecedented, I feel like. <laughs> Maybe I'll just let it play out. Yeah. <laughs> See what happens from here. Maybe mom comes back in the end. I didn't read this far in the script, so <laughs> this is unexpected. So basically afterwards, Nancy tells dad she just needs a minute. Yeah. She's had she's had a rough couple of days, I think. Mm-hmm. This moment is deserved. Yeah. Uh, but basically what she's doing, she knows it's not over yet. So she basically is using herself as bait, turns her back on the bed. And now we have this effect again, uh, the same one that they used to make it look like Freddie was coming through the wall. Mm-hmm. They used to make it look like he's rising up uh, from under the bed sheets. Yeah. And I actually uh, made note about that because I think similar to the wall scene for you, this is one that I kind of always remember and one that I wrote down as being one that I really liked uh and what I liked about this one was yes it's similar to the wall scene where you kind of just get the silhouette but I loved how they were able to kind of do that wet bloody head that they did how you could tell that it was mm-hmm. his head yeah but it wasn't kind like of bloody gross mm-hmm, yeah. but it wasn't like too much like you could just obviously tell that it's Freddie's head and I loved how it was creepy looking but it wasn't too gory or anything it was just I think a perfect last scene of the movie of freddy yeah and uh you know he tries to taunt her some more but now it's not working she has her back turned to him and she's taken away his power she basically says you don't scare me anymore Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i win and of course he reaches for her and she grabs the door he altered states away in in this crazy little shiny effect Mm -hmm. and he's gone she opens the door and it's a brand new day yeah it's bright sun's out birds are singing fog is clearing friends have pulled up out front in the car ready to pick her up for school Mm -hmm. everybody's alive mom is getting sober mom is she has made the decision no more no more she has hit her bottom she has went to the blue before and she's not doing it again never not gonna happen and every everything is rosy and fantastic and in fact this was uh basically where our movie was supposed to end Mm -hmm. originally uh, this movie had a basically happy ending that turns out the entire movie was one big long dream and no one actually died. Everything's fine and they drive off and go to school. Uh, but the studio said, oh, no, no, sir. We would like this movie to end with a twist, a little spin And of course, you. that sets it up perfectly for sequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to establish the fact that Freddie, in fact, is not dead. Yeah. And kids get in the car and the top, it was a convertible, top flips up. It's our infamous red and green. Yeah. And they don't realize that initially they're kind of laugh it off. They're like, eh, that was funny. And then they're like, wait, we're not doing this. The windows are rolling up and the doors have locked. And uh, the car drives off to God knows where and turn around and one of the worst effects. Yes, I wrote it down. <laughs> in movie history. Uh, it, it is a joke at this point and Wes Craven damn well knew it uh but they were rushed they had they had to film this Mm -hmm. this uh ending over again to make the studio happy and they literally tried to come up with all these different ways to reintroduce freddie to let the audience know yeah uh to make it a good twist and they didn't want to do it 
initially the studio said they wanted, I think, Freddie driving the car. And he said, absolutely not. That's that's just not going to happen. But they came up with this idea of having mom suck through the tiny little window in the door. Mm-hmm. And they thought it was so hilarious that they decided to use it kind of as a fuck you to the <laughs> to the studio mm-hmm. saying this is what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? It scared the shit out of me when I was a kid because yeah. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, it's completely unexpected. I remember thinking the same thing when I was little. uh, And it's still fun as an adult. And it's even more fun, I think, like you said, because it's so bad. And it is such a joke now that I, I, as the car is driving away, I was like looking forward to it. Like, I was like, yes, I can't wait to see this because it's just so bad. And it's just so comical each time I see it. I was looking forward to it. So, yeah, I don't think that scene detracts from the ending. Granted, yes, it wasn't supposed to originally be there. Uh, I I think it's uh, still good. I love it so much. Yes, it is absolutely over the years become a classic. Mm -hmm. And you can't think of it ending any other way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's the movie, a classic for a reason, Uh, but it is time to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. We have come up with a system that we're going to use to rank it and figure out if it belongs in the vault or gets left behind. Yeah, yeah, and we hope that our um, anonymous package sender is happy with it, because I I think it's a pretty good rating system. I I do, too. I I think it's going to work for us. All right. Let's kick it off. So what was your favorite popcorn spiller? Basically, that means what was your favorite personal scariest moment from this film? Uh, For me, I wrote that down again as the hallway scene with with Tina. I just love that scene for some reason. The the body bag scene where she shows up and then she's dragged away. I just think it's so well done for that movie and for that time um, that it was created and everything. Uh, and it's genuinely just kind of creepy. I would love even now to see that in a movie. Uh, and I think it would be just as good. Oh, body bag scene is a classic and it's super, super eerie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always have these scenes anytime they can shoot like down a hall and maybe something crosses the hall real quick, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. behind someone. Oh, I hate it. It's just, yeah. it's chilling. Uh, so yeah, very good popcorn spiller for me. Cause you know, I am, I'm more about the uh, kind of psychological scares yeah. and uh, suspenseful scares than I am jump scares. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jump scares can get me and it pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> but when I talk about being scared, uh, it's really what caused the most tension for me. Yeah. And, what kind of makes your heart race a little absolutely. bit. Absolutely. And hands down, it's got to be the bathtub scene. Yeah. Just that hand slowly coming up and just like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And we're going to talk about this a little more next week uh, with the movie we're doing. Uh, but I have this fear mm-hmm. about uh, not being able to see my surroundings in the water. Mm-hmm. And it's all thanks to next week's movie. Uh, but that played a big part in why this particular scene was so scary to me. Because I can't see what's going on. All I can see is this hand. It's terrifying. What's going to happen next? Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was definitely my popcorn spiller. Yeah, I agree. That is such a good one. Especially, I think, visually, it's such a creepy scene. But also, I think anytime somebody's drowning, you inherently kind of hold your breath with them as you're watching them kind of struggle. And so, yeah, I definitely think that's a high, highly tense scene. So moving forward, what was your favorite scene stealer? Like your favorite character? Uh, my favorite scene stealer, you know, I have always just adored Johnny Depp in this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about. He just looks, 
he just looks like the epitome of these, this 80s guy, mm-hmm. you know, just the hair and uh-huh. the way he's dressed in this and just the whole sitting in his bed watching this tiny little TV, yeah, but yet yeah. he's got headphones on. I don't know. I just, I enjoyed him so much. He was just kind of, just your lighthearted good guy mm-hmm. uh, in this movie. And I, I enjoyed him. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. He's a really good character. Uh, and of course, I think we know what's going to take it for you. Who was your scene stealer? <laughs> it was Nancy's mom. And I know that I say it comically, but genuinely, I think it's just because, again, in horror movies, it's fun to have that kind of thing you can laugh at to kind of ease the tension, even if it's just personally you find it funny. And I think that's what Nancy's mom was for me every time she came on the screen. I just couldn't help but just giggle to myself about how goofy and monotone she was. Uh, so yeah, it was just Nancy's mom for the small moments that she, her character made me laugh. Absolutely. All right. So next one is going to kind of cover very broadly the effects and Mm -hmm. it's going to be, we call it your favorite gorgasm, but that could mean anything that could mean like your favorite practical effect. It could mean your favorite CGI thing. If something, you know, did it really well, just what was your favorite effect that you just thought was amazing? For me, that's got to be, again, the blood fountain in the bed. I know we kind of really talked about it in depth, but for me, that that's always been one of my favorites. I think just because of how grand it is, on, and when you think about how they had to create that in the movie, it just blows my mind about how they were able to do that on a set, and, and yeah, it's just so visually kind of crazy looking. Uh, so definitely the blood fountain for me, for Glenn's death. That's a good one, and that's going to be a favorite for me, too, but in a different category. For me, my favorite gorgasm in this one, and it's not so much gory, although it did uh, end up putting a bunch of blood throughout the room, but for me, it's got to be Tina rolling around on the ceiling and on the wall. Mm -hmm. And I know it's been done before, and they've done it since, but it just looks so amazing and so fantastic, and the fact that they were able to do it practically just makes it even better Mm -hmm. absolutely loved it Mm -hmm. and so for you because you mentioned well we both mentioned the effects and the death and everything what was your favorite uh kind of memorable mortality throughout the movie that's where glenn comes in for me it is his death scene that whole bed scene the Mm -hmm. way that it was done him just being sucked down and then just this ungodly amount of blood yeah just gushing all over the room and spewing and it just seemed like it wasn't going to stop i remember seeing that as a kid and just thinking it was the bloodiest thing i had ever seen in my life and i loved every minute of it yeah yeah uh for me kind of looping back around to nancy's mom i I think just the kind of craziness of the scene you know we talked about the blue light and her just turning into an ashen corpse Uh, I think that's why it's a favorite for me, just because it is kind of such a chaotic scene. You have a lot going on. You have Nancy and uh uh-oh, cop dad popping in the door, and then you have Kruger on fire, and there's there's a lot going on, but I still think it's it's a great ending scene, because you have, like I said, this crescendo kind of leading up to this crazy-ass moment of the bed lighting her to death. I don't really know what we'd call it, Uh, but yeah, that was my, my most memorable mortality for sure. It it's pretty hard to forget. Mm-hmm. All right, so that brings us to it. A final decision has to be made. So, what do you think? Was this good enough? It goes into the vault, or does it stay in the dead zone? For me, I think it's got to go in the vault. I mean, it's a classic for a reason. It's one 
that I I think really set the tone for a lot of movies. It's it's one that set the tone for a big big franchises to continue going on and on for an ungodly amount of time. I think it's just one of those that automatically goes into the horror category as, as one of the best. Absolutely. 100% without a doubt. There there was never a question. Yeah. This has to go in any vault if if you say you're a horror fan. Yeah. It's just so much amazing good fun. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm excited about us being able to, you know, pick what we want to go in this vault because, yeah, this is a classic and it's obvious that it's going to go in there, but... There's also going to be some honestly bad movies that go in there, but we like them. So they're going to go in there, too. And I'm excited to see what variation goes into this crazy ass vault. It's going to be fun. And I'm glad that this one's going to be the first one in there. Oh, yeah. Well, well deserved. Amazing film. It's just it just brings for me so much nostalgia. And we talked about some of it. Does it really hold up? That's fine. What amazing fun just to watch these movies. And, you know the the sequels most of them are shit Mm -hmm. some of them aren't too bad Mm -hmm. but again it just carries on that ridiculous fun that you Mm -hmm. have with this character and i can't think of a better way to introduce him this movie was darn near perfect when it comes to horror yeah yeah i agree it it's just chef's kiss well that's gonna roll the credits on this one why don't you tell them what we're watching next week Next week, we are doing number nine on Bloody Disgusting's top ten list, which is Jaws. Oh, boy. I'm excited. I I mean, I could not be more excited. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite scary movies of all time. One of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us. Episode number one is... In the can in the can thank you so much for joining us folks if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the dead zone drive-in on your favorite listening platform and if you're looking for a way to support us we would be so grateful if you would leave a rating and or review and if you screenshot that review and send it to us we're gonna send you your very own Dead Zone Drive-In sticker for free. That's no monies, honey. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at deadzonedrivein at gmail.com. And if you're wanting to reach us by snail mail, our address is P.O. Box 12665, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73157. We'll be sure to pick it up while we're driving through our hometown. Lastly, don't forget to check out the Linktree URL in our show notes for all the links to our social medias. And remember, if you're looking for The Dead Zone and want to join us for this weekend's showing, if you've listened to this episode in its entirety, you'll have been provided with all the information you need. Don't forget your tickets. Good night, folks, and please buckle up. We'll be waiting for you. No worries, I died. <laughs> that's, that's, no, that's, you do you. Um, I have to make a few phone calls. <laughs> things have become radically different for me now. But you. Things have changed. I hope things work out well for that death thing. <laughs> you just keep on being dead, you. And the shadow at cast, swear to glob. <laughs> swear to glob. <laughs> Dear Glob, I have such a good day today. <laughs> <sighs>
dear oh, my glob. glob. I would like a new pony. Oh, my glob, are you okay? <laughs> what in the name of glob is going on in this room? Glob, damn it. <laughs> glob, bless America. <laughs> I thought you were repeating what I was saying, just just singing it. I, was like, okay. I mean, that's funny. I was giving you the musical version. Bob, oh, damn it. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.